from Exodus is the gospel reading for the day. So this is what I'll be preaching on. Um, so you don't need to stand. It's a little bit longer, so there's no standing for a gospel reading. But this is, this is the, the story that we will be talking about today. It comes from Exodus chapter 1 and 2. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service and mortar and brick. And in every kind of field labor, they were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shipra and the other Pua, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it's a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife even comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, God gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every boy that is born to the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile River, but you shall let every girl live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him for three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with thitamine and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. While her attendants walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying, and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she took him as her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, Jesus, our Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit, who sustains us. Amen. So maybe we, like the kids, aren't as familiar with this story of how Moses came to be, right? But it starts with this Pharaoh guy who is supposed to be all-powerful, right? But he doesn't seem all-powerful. He's pretty scared, right? And he is oppressing the Hebrew people. He is subjecting them to enslavement, subjecting them to labor. Um, and it says that the more he oppressed them, the more they multiplied. 
So his fears of being outnumbered just get worse and worse the more oppression he imposes. And he's afraid. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He's afraid of them overthrowing his Egyptian kingdom. He's worried and scared. And he knows that he can't really get away with having his army kill all the babies, right? That wouldn't go over well. Then the people would revolt, right? So he has to be a little bit more subtle. He has to be a little bit more sneaky. And he calls in these two midwives, Shipra and Pua. And he calls, and midwives are, the, I love this because midwives, the word midwife, it's like it comes from the old English. And mid means with, right? And wife, of course, is woman. So it literally means with woman. So a person who is with a woman who is expecting, with a woman who is giving birth, right? And midwives today are very, very common, um, very popular. Uh, a lot of people seek out midwives um, when they're giving birth. Uh, it's, we, we know that um, black women are three times more likely um, to die during childbirth than white women, and midwives help to bring that number way down, actually. And midwives are, uh, you get more face-to-face -face time with a midwife uh, oftentimes than you would with an OB. Uh, I met with my midwife on Friday, one of them, and um, she, I told her I was going to be preaching about midwives, and she was like, the ancient midwives are so cool because they don't have the training that we have, but they go off of this calling that they have, and they go off of their intuition. And I love that she said that. They, they have such intuition, the ancient midwives. And so I think of Shipra and Pua as having this deep, deep intuition in this story, right? Um, to be midwives in the first place, and then this intuition um, to do what they do in this story. Another interesting thing about Shipra and Pua is that we don't really know if they're Egyptian or if they're Hebrew. In the text, it says midwives to the Hebrews. So it's unclear what their ethnicity could have been. And I think it's kind of important to the story um, because they could have been Hebrew women protecting Hebrew women, right? Or they could have been Egyptian woman, women protecting Hebrew women and their babies, right? So we don't really know, and so maybe play with that a little bit in your mind as we, as we think more about this story. Um, but anyway, these two women, Shipra and Pua, these are our bold women for today, and they are called in by Pharaoh, who is feeling afraid and threatened. His plan of, of enslavement has not worked. It's backfired on him, and the more he oppresses, the more the people multiply, so he's gotta do something else. So he tries what he thinks is pretty subtle. And he says to them, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it's a boy, kill him. He says this to women whose calling is to help deliver life. And he thinks he can get away with this because the infant mortality rate was very high, right? So maybe they could just pretend that the baby was stillborn, right? Or something like that. And on the birth stool, the woman wouldn't be able to see the baby first, right? The midwife would be the first to see the baby before the woman would even see him in this case. And so he thinks this is a brilliant plan 
to get away to get away with his goal of reducing the population of the Hebrews. But he, what he underestimates here is this, the women and their calling and their intuition, right? And so just in one verse, it goes from this, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it's a boy, kill him. There's one verse in between, and then we get to this. Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live, right? I love that. There's only one verse in between this, and it's where it says that the, these women feared God, and they didn't listen, right? But I have to wonder, in that one verse, how much time has passed? How much time has passed? What has gone on? How long does it take Pharaoh to catch on that there's a bunch of toddler boys running around, right? How long does it take him to catch on for this anger to build, for him to call Shipra and Pua back and say, what have you done? Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? How could you betray me? I am the one who tells everyone what to do. How could you not listen to me? And, of course, this encounter is a risky one for these women, for these midwives. You don't just go to an angry king and walk away unscathed all the time. Especially not at this time, right? So they are in danger with his anger, with his fear, right? They are in danger in this situation. And in their, in their vulnerability, they respond quite cunningly. They say to the Pharaoh, when he asked them, what have, why have you done this? They say, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. Speaking of intuition, this is a brilliant response for multiple reasons. One, they know Pharaoh doesn't know anything about birth. He doesn't have a clue. Right? Two, they know Pharaoh thrives off of dehumanizing the Hebrew people. So he can feel less guilty of his oppression of them. So what do they do? Whether they're Hebrew or Egyptian, we don't know. But they feed into his biases. They feed right into the stereotypes that he carries with him that fuel his anger and hate and oppression. And they scapegoat the Hebrew women in order to save them. They are not like the Egyptian women. They are not like you. They are not like us if they're, he if they're Egyptian. They are less than. And if they're Hebrew, they're saying we are less than, right? We are not like you. The word used for vigorous here is really important. It's a word that means lively or like a wild animal. So it means kind of like animalistic or like a wild beast or like barbaric. So Shipra and Pua are dehumanizing these Hebrew women to Pharaoh. They're saying, they're not, they're not like Egyptians. They're not civilized, right? They're barbaric. They give birth so quickly before we can even get there. How could we kill the babies? They already have them in their arms. Right? They're like animals. They dehumanize these people. They other them. 
They use his biases and stereotypes to trick him, to get away with saving these people under the carpet. And I think this speaks so strongly to something that we see all the time. We talk about history repeating itself, right? This speaks to the power of othering. Think about that. We've seen that before, the dehumanization of folks, to feel less guilty about oppressing them, about harming them, about killing them. Eugenics here in North Carolina at some of the hospitals. Dehumanizing women, they're too emotional to be in this role, right? Dehumanizing trans people, there are over 200 anti-trans legislations, uh, pieces of legislation that are active right now across the country. Dehumanizing people. Dehumanizing people of African descent in this country so that we can enslave them, so that we can kill them in the Jim Crow era, in the civil rights movement so that we can be separate. These narratives, these same narratives about animalistic, right? We've heard that before. This dehumanization, this power of othering. This is what saves the midwives, because the pharaoh, the people in power, they eat this up. Because they don't fear God. They fear their neighbor. They fear the other, right? But these women, we know that they don't believe this about the Hebrew women. We know that they're lying to save them. Because these women fear God. And that's that verse in between. They don't listen to Pharaoh because they fear God. Shipra and Pua are called to this work of bringing life, of delivering hope into the world. Not of squashing it out, not of oppressing others, not of enslavement. They feared God. And when we fear God, we have no need to fear our neighbor. We have no need to other. We have no need to dehumanize. Because to fear God is to honor God and to respect God and to honor God's creation and God's image in each and every person and to respect God's presence in one another. To fear God is to want life abundant for everyone. To want systems not that oppress but that lift up, that hold that nurture, that cradle, that care for all people. When we fear God, we do not need to fear our neighbor. These women feared God. Their fear of God led them to not be afraid of Pharaoh, to stand right in front of him and lie to his face, using his own biases against him and making him look like a fool. To fear God is to not be afraid of systems that oppress, but to be willing to take the steps to tear them down. In this story, because these women fear God, because they are called to this life-giving work, 
because this is what they do. They end up delivering the deliverer. As we talked about in the children's message, Moses is the one who God, through Moses, delivers the people of Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt, into the promised land. And without these women, without Miriam, without Pharaoh's daughter, Moses would have never been able to deliver his people. Without these women and these God-fearing women, Moses would have never made it out of Egypt. He would have never parted the Red Sea. He would have never seen the burning bush and felt his call if they hadn't carried out their calling. Shipra and Pua deliver the deliverer in this story. We've been talking a lot, we're in Matthew's gospel right now in the lectionary. We've been talking a lot about how Matthew paints Jesus as the new Moses, right? Um, in the Sermon on the Mount, just like Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount, and Moses gets, goes up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, right? And Jesus talks about the law in the Sermon on the Mount. But we haven't always talked about these parallels of them as babies who the powerful king was scared of, right? Pharaoh is scared of Moses. Herod, scared of Jesus. Jesus' family has to flee to Egypt to protect him. Moses' mother has to put him in a basket in a river to protect him. And both of these men, too, are deliverers. Deliverers lifted up and carried by women throughout their, throughout their ministry, throughout their time. There are 12 women who um, go with Moses in, in the Exodus story. 12 women who are mentioned. And we know that Jesus' ministry was funded in part by women that he had women with him, Mary Magdalene, that it were the women who show up at the empty tomb and are the first to proclaim the good news on Easter morning. These God-fearing women are active in these movements of deliverance. And so this Lent, as we journey with Jesus to the cross, as we journey with Jesus to this deliverance, let us think about what it means to fear God and what that frees us from. Because fearing God is not living afraid. Fearing God is living boldly. Fearing God is living into our calling to strive for justice and peace. We make that promise in our baptism, by the way. Fearing God means that we don't have to fear one another. We don't have to fear people in power, or systems that oppress. Fearing God leads us to be agents of deliverance. Fearing God leads us to feel the call to be midwives and to be with women or with anyone on the margins, with them in their labor pains, with them in their struggles. They're with them helping them along the way because we are freed and called to do that in our respect and honor of God. Amen. <laughs>